Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Introverted noise. Oh yeah, daddy. Welcome back to another episode of the Climb in the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. Very, very, very excited to be kicking off this year's One a Day Draft Series with the man, the myth, the legend, the hardest working man on draft Twitter, QB1. JR, my man, how's it going? How you been? Day closer to the draft, so everything's good, man. I'm excited. Yes, sir. Well, as we get closer to the draft, like we did last year, it's time to really put you to work. I know you've been putting in work. You've been working on the draft guide, making multiple appearances a day on podcasts. But, you know, we got to bring you home and uh, and get some of that good information from you here as we get uh, as we start working up to the draft. So I hope you're ready. I'm super ready. All right. Well, let's do it today. We are going to start off the series with a position that is near and dear to most Vikings fans. And even though this draft series isn't Viking specific, I think many of the people who follow us are Vikings fans. And so starting off with the interior offensive line, I think should be something that uh, that brings joy to many. So the way this is all going to work, JR is not going to give you a top five list or a top 10 list or anything like that. As we work through everything here, JR is going to give us his favorite player, regardless of scheme on the first, second, third day of the draft give us a little bit about why he likes those players but before we get to all that jr's gonna let us peek behind the curtain a little bit give us a little bit of a background on uh how he scouts the position so with that jr interior offensive line offensive line's a position that most of us really don't know much about so when you go you turn on the film and you need to start scouting interior offensive linemen what are you looking at yeah, so that's a really tough question because there's just so much you have to know as far as like understanding offensive linemen. And I think the first thing you have to understand is the scheme that they're being placed in. And the two basic types of scheme are zone scheme is where you're blocking an area or a space. You're not necessarily blocking a certain guy in front of you. So each gap is lettered A through E or A through D, I should say. Uh, so each lineman up front is assigned a certain gap on every single type of zone scheme. So they're not necessarily blocking a man or a certain person that's standing in front of them. They're necessarily blocking a gap, whether to whether it's to excuse me, a zone, whether that's to their right or to their left. And something to remember in zone schemes is that everybody should be moving the same direction. So if if you see that person on film going the opposite direction of everybody else, then they're probably wrong. Now, on the flip side of that, the other scheme that you have is called a gap or a man blocking type of zone scheme or a man blocking type of scheme. Um, where you're blocking an actual person in front of you. So 
with that, you're trying to get a body on a body and you're actually covering up certain people opposite of you. And that's really the difference between the two. So that's really the first thing that you have to learn about these offensive linemen. What type of scheme are they placed in, whether that's a zone or a man blocking scheme? And then forward from that, that's where you decipher the certain characteristics that they have as far as how well they bend, how well they move in space, and then understanding their certain limitations where they hid by the scheme or did they flourish in that scheme. And that's something something that you see throughout this entire class. And so when you're looking at those, you know, those two schemes and, you know, primarily when we talk about those, uh, I feel like we're, we're, we're most often talking about run blocking is, um, is either of those schemes harder to translate when you're looking at, you know, kind of the next level, uh, I guess, really system agnostic. Like if you're just looking at this player and saying, this guy is good, would you rather someone who had to, to deal with, you know, someone in a man scheme or someone in a zone scheme, if you're looking to make that projection for them without knowing where they're going to end up at the next level? I think it's just the type of player that you're looking for, the type of flavor that you want with man blocking scheme. You can really hide the little or the worst type of athletes because they don't have to necessarily move as far as hard in a man blocking scheme because they're just covering up people in front of them. They can use that wide body that they do have. Now in a zone scheme, you want your more athletic type of offensive lineman so they can cover up those A through D gaps in those certain areas. And they have to be able to move, especially laterally, because that's the that's the specifics or the direction that zone schemes type really run into. So with those zone scheme types, you want guys that can really move or have really good foot quickness. So Brian O'Neill is a great example of that last year. He thrives in a zone scheme because it's not necessarily asking you to show or overpower guys or show off your strength rather than to show off your lateral agility. So you want better types of athletes in that zone scheme. All right. Well, let us get to it here. Interior offensive linemen. So the guards, the centers, day one of the draft. Who is your absolute favorite and why? So I have a couple guys that I really like. Uh, Garrett Bradbury, that's really my top interior offensive lineman right now. A center, a guy I got to see down at the Senior Bowl, and one that I'm really familiar with being that he went to NC State and me being in the area. Fantastic background story, former tight end. He came to NC State as a three-star prospect, I believe it was. He weighed about 225 pounds, so he came as a tight end. And he worked his way up. He had some position switches. He actually went over to defensive line in 2015. I believe it was things didn't work out for him there. So he transferred back or transitioned back to the offensive side of the ball. And he started playing guard in 2016. And then he officially transitioned to center in 2017. And then he's been lights out ever since then. And something you have to understand about Bradbury is that once again, like Brian O'Neill, he's not going to overpower guys, but he just really likes to cover guys up or really get in the way. And he thrives on what's called what's called reach blocks and where he's able to pin the outside shoulders of guys. So that certain direction that you're running laterally, he's able to cover up those guys outside shoulders and create those running lanes up the middle. And that's the area where he really does thrive. So he's my top guy. He's my top center on the board. Another guy that I really like, his name is Eric McCoy from Texas A&M. Now, he was lights out. I think his best game was against Clemson by far. And we know how good their interior defensive line was last year with Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence on the interior. He just manhandled them all game long. Now, he's not a big guy. He's only about 6'3", 300 pounds. So he's on a bit of the smaller side, but he's feisty. He stands in there and he fights. And he has good foot quickness. And I think he's very scheme diverse. So he doesn't necessarily have to be in just a zone or a man blocking scheme. I think he's kind of a best of both worlds, but I think he would be better in the zone scheme because of his lack of size. And then another guy who's very popular 
on Vikings Twitter right now is Chris Lidstrom from Boston College. He has played a little bit of right tackle, but the past few years he has played right guard at Boston College. And I thought they kind of hid his strengths a bit because they really like to run the football a lot. So you didn't really get to see him pass protect as much. But we really saw that down at the Senior Bowl and him and Dalton Reisner playing beside each other. I thought they were lights out the entire week. So if they target him maybe at 50 with their second round pick, I think that would be a really good selection. And of course, I should have known that once we get you going, uh, you know, I say one a day and then, you know, JR, he's got to give you a little bit extra. He gives you three right out the bat. So are all of those guys you're seeing as day one types of, of players or based on your rankings? Because I know as I've started to do a little bit more work into draft Twitter, um, it seems especially with the offensive line, uh, guys are ranked kind of all over the place. It doesn't seem to be as firm a consensus on where guys are going to be ranking this year when you start to look ac- across the, the different uh, the different rankings across draft Twitter or, or the major publications. Yeah, and that's because there's no headliner name like last year with Quentin Nelson. So with Bradbury, with Lidstrom, with McCoy, they're going to be all over the place because a guy or evaluators just really have different types that they like. And Bradbury is not a guy that's going to overpower or have just flashy types of clips on tape. So He's not going to catch guys' eyes a lot. So that's why opinions are kind of mixed about him. But I actually have a first-round grade on him. I think very highly of him. He's my 19th overall prospect right now, and I don't expect him to go 19 overall. But I think he definitely could go in that ladder of the first-round type of range, especially early on day two. I think I would be very surprised if he makes it past pick 35 or 36. Okay, so we got to – Again, here we go with JR is letting us know where he's at with it. A little bit different than consensus, but guys that he sees that could potentially go on day one. So take me into uh to day two. Who is uh who who is or are your favorites as we get into uh to day two of the draft across the interior offensive line? There's actually quite a few. And I think this interior offensive line class is a bit deeper than what it's given credit for. And then you're getting into guys like Elton Jenkins from Mississippi State. And something that's noticeable about him is that he's not going to have flashy film where he's just power driving guys into the dirt. But you talk about a guy that just covers up guys and he just does his assignment. He's not flashy. He just gets the job done and he goes home. That's the best way to describe him. Uh, He's not going to, like I said, he's not going to plant guys in the turf. He's not going to be nasty or anything like that. But you look up, he's not giving up any pressures throughout the game and he just does his job. Uh, Now, on the flip side of that, a guy that's extremely nasty, and he played for the Oklahoma Sooners, and that's Drew Samia, uh, the guard from Oklahoma. And I think he he's a bit smaller. He's only about 6'5", 305 pounds, but his body is built very linear, and you see him get overpowered at times because they did like to run a lot of power type of schemes or man-blocking schemes at Oklahoma, and that's where you really saw his flaws really being exposed. But when they ran those zone types of schemes to where he could just out-athlete a lot of the guys or the opposition, that's really where you've seen him flourish. Um, a couple other guys I'll give you is Connor McGovern from Penn State and Michael Dieter from Wisconsin. I think both of those guys could be early or excuse me, late day two, early day three type of talents that could go in the third or fourth round. Last but certainly not least, who are the sleepers? Who are the ones that, you know, uh, your team's looking to, to add a little bit of depth there? And, uh, you know, some of these guys maybe fall down the board. Who are the ones that you like on the, on the last day of the draft to come in and help a team? Yeah, so there's really. Well, this guy's not really a sleeper anymore. He was about a month ago. Uh, But Nate Davis from UNC Charlotte, who the Vikings actually had in on the top 30 visit, I think he definitely is a sleeper. He's only played guard 
and he's had some issues with staying healthy. So I think he probably will go in the fourth round. I think that's the sweet spot for him. Well, you talk about that barely small refrigerator type of round build for a guard. He looks exactly like a guard. Now, he's never had or played center before, and maybe that may be his best position because only about 6'3", about 315 pounds. So maybe he does have to transition more along the interior, and he's not the best athlete in the world either. So I think he's more of your man-blocking type of guard. And then another one I like is Phil Haynes from Wake Forest, a guy that played in not the East-West Shrine game, but the NFLPA a bowl out in L.A., and I thought he really shined there. And I was reading some good stuff about him, former basketball player, so he has that those quick feet that you're looking for. And another name that the Vikings have shown some interest in is Michael Jordan from Ohio State. Now, I think he's extremely raw. He's going to have to gain some strength. And he took over for uh, Billy Price last year at Ohio State. He transitioned to center, but I don't think he is a center. I think he's more of a guard. So very linear, very linear. like I said, he's 6'6". 315 pounds so he would be one of the tallest centers in the league if a team does keep him there but I think he's a guard and I think he's probably a guy that may be one to two years away from being a starter but initially he's a really nice developmental piece all right well there it is we did it a lot of information given to you very very quickly and uh we made it JR a little yes. bit of less, little bit of less work for you than we did last year, but a lot of information yeah. as you always do for us here. So that's it. That's all. Offensive line, interior offensive lineman, knocked out for you here in about ten minutes with the man QB one, and there it is. First day in the books. Hope you stick with us. We'll be doing one of these basically every day from uh, from now, every weekday from now until the draft. So uh, yeah, see you again tomorrow. Have a good one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.